Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You wonder if you didn't try to do too many things, like if you just concentrated on one, but you know what it like... The, I mean, I'm 60-something years old. I'm sleeping in the car on Market Street because I'm getting out of one game at 11 and 4.30. From 94 WIP in Philadelphia, it's Wired This Way. Life stories about the people in sports, the choices they've made, and how they've achieved their success. I'm Andrew Porter. When you think of Al Morgani, you think of hockey, Boston, Wingball, and WIP. Al is quirky, funny, sarcastic, laid back, even keel, just a fun-loving guy and easy to be around. He has this quiet genius about him. He is smarter than he portrays. Al's been working in sports media basically his entire life, but 94 WIP gave him a platform to be himself. 95% of the time, that self is pretty quiet, even on the air. But there are those handful of topics that will light a fire under Al and cause him to go on once famous rants. He never considered himself a good writer, a good speaker, or anything like that. He never aspired to be a journalist. He just loved the game of hockey, and Al found out quickly this was his best way into that game. I was born in Boston, yes. Boston, Massachusetts. It's a city on the East Coast. <laughs> and... Um, what was your childhood and family life and upbringing like in Boston? A normal suburban originally. Um, brothers and sisters? Have one sister, um, no brothers, close to cousins. Uh, so I just grew up, you know, typical. Well, not so typical. I was like the only not Irish kid that I knew. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it was always, uh, it was always a little bit on the fringe since everybody else was Irish Catholic. And uh, so I just grew up there. And uh, the usual, you know, Catholic school, Catholic high school. Um, and, you know, played baseball, both baseball and hockey. And uh, didn't play on uh, many teams and schools, but uh, bandit leagues, I guess you would call them. But when did you fall in love with sports or like, or did you, or like, was it your dad? Or how, uh, how no, my dad happened? wasn't a sp- much of a, um, I mean, he liked uh, hockey mm-hmm. um, to, to the Bruins. And uh, my mom, she liked baseball because I was an okay baseball player. I was always like, you know, you make those little league teams that I guess they call them travel teams now. They were, um, and she liked me to play baseball. She didn't care for it. She called it the hockey because <laughs> the, the hockey, you got, as she called it, you get all marked up and, you know, you get banged up a bit and she didn't like that. But she, I think she grew to like it a little as, as it went on. But given her druthers, she really liked baseball and she would go to, never, my dad never came to a game, but my mom would come and watch the baseball games a lot. Um, and eventually you end up at BU? For, uh, eventually I went to, yeah, I went to, uh, yeah, eventually I went to Boston University. I got there. 
um, after I went to Babson, there was a, a guy at Babson named Jack Falla, who was a PR guy. He actually was a PR guy for the NHL eventually. And he knew I didn't belong. He knew I was just there to try to play hockey. And I was academically a mess. And he um, kind of saved my... He knew somebody at BU where he had gone, and he, and he basically said, forget his grades or whatever. He's, you know, he, he's not an idiot. And kind of got me into BU... Um, where I ended up um, on the school paper because I didn't. I tried to walk on a hockey. There's no way. They're all Canadian. Uh, it's just not good enough. Did you play in high school? I played on. Uh, I played. No, I didn't play in Catholic Memorial, but I played in um, the leagues around Boston. Okay. We, at that time, at that time, hockey was so hot up there that there were all these uh, junior A, junior B, junior B, B, junior C. So I mean, if you could walk, if you could stand up on the ice, you'd get a team. So I played on those things, and I really liked it. It was fun, but I knew I wasn't going to be any any good. Um, so I uh, kind of directed my attention to covering it. So you studied journalism at BU? Well, well, kind of. Well, I started architecture just to try to get through, and then there was math and that, so that ended that. So then, then uh, eventually, I didn't really learn anything in the. It, it was public communication journalism. I couldn't do okay. because it was. Yeah, it was, it was very um, spelling and English oriented, and like I'm on my forte. So it was I, I went into public communication, which was a lot more broad. But mostly, I was just I, I learned everything at the school paper because it was independent of the university. So you literally sold ads by yourself, did everything. And I, my only strength was that I actually knew the game a little bit. And BU was a hockey factory, and I knew all those guys. I kind of grown up played with some of them. Um, so that's how I got involved in it. And I, I always, I always kind of gravitated to, uh, people that played the sport or were involved with the sport. They've been so helpful in my career in everything. I mean, I mean, anything that I ever got was cause I knew somebody from the world of hockey, mostly New England hockey. Did you enjoy, um, writing or it was just a way to stay close to the game? It was a way to stay yeah. close to the game. I was not a, um... You know, I worked at the Enquirer. I worked at various places. I right. covered other sports, but I, I wasn't a wordsmith. I guess you would say I was more of a um, reporter or a, a, a game story guy. Right. Uh, in in not analytics at the time, but just I understood. I liked it. I, mean, I like never thought it was work. I was just covering games. I was going to go anyway, so right. I might as well get paid for it. So you graduate, and then and then what happened? I got out of the school. Yeah, and. Uh, I don't know. I forget what year it was. But anyway, I got out and um, worked at the Boston Globe. I covered the high school how, how hockey. How did you get into the Globe from college? <clears throat> um, when I was at uh, a guy named Kevin DuPont, Kevin Paul DuPont, he's still at the Globe. He went to New York Times. I was like, uh, he said, you want to come and do some work uh, as a, they were called Neil's Wheels. It was this guy, Neil, that covered high school sports. Mm -hmm. And on the weekends, we'd go to football games and, you know, do a couple of paragraphs or whatever. So it was sort really like strange. Yeah, sort of like an internship. It was, um, I was there with Leslie Visser at the time, Kevin DuPont, Dan Shaughnessy. We were all kind of come up together. And I did all the hockey stuff, high school hockey and stuff like that. So I was a correspondent, worked there. And then they didn't hire me full time because it was really hard to get a job. And they hired me in Florida to cover um, football. The fo yeah, it was football, the Miami um, Dolphins. Wow. And that didn't last long because I didn't really care for it. Right. And uh, I was there. I was in. I was in Fort Lauderdale for less than a year, 
And then somebody called from Atlanta to cover the Flames, and there was no way I was going to keep covering football when I had a chance to cover hockey. I went to Atlanta. I was there for about three months, and they called from Philadelphia to see if I wanted to cover the Flyers. So I just came up here mostly to cover the not to move to Philadelphia because it was a big market or the inquiry, just because the Flyers were a great team to cover. They were always good right. and they were interesting because they were bonkers. And it was, uh, and I just had a great time. So I stayed and I love, you know, everything went fine after that. So you're like 23, 24 at this point? 25, 24 and a half. Yeah, about 25, bouncing about. Florida, Atlanta, Philly. Florida, Atlanta, Philly. I was in Utah for a little while. I went to do a thing with the ski team and it was PR and I didn't. I knew I couldn't do that. But at this point, you're thinking like I can make a living covering hockey. Is that the goal? Yeah, at that the goal point? was to the goal was to just cover hockey and have summers off. That was the goal because like my, my theory was if this can if my life can be like school where you're off in the summer and you just work all winter. So I went to the Inquirer and um, that's basically how it worked. You worked every single day and and then you had the summer off. So what comes first? Was it WIP or ESPN? How did that um, unravel or happen? Kind of the same. Around I left the, the Inquirer to go to the, well, I actually went to the National Sports Daily. I left the Inquirer because I also wanted, I had three things I liked to cover. I liked hockey, I liked tennis, um, and I always wanted to cover Wimbledon. And they let me cover Wimbledon. And then they took Wimbledon away to give it to somebody else, and I got, wasn't happy about that. You've done Olympics and World Cup as well. Olympics, uh, America's Cup. But this uh, was later. Or this this was before? the same time. Okay. Yeah, I just they wow, just I sent see you're me doing a lot. Yeah, because when you were covering hockey, you did the winter, right? And I knew about skiing, and because I was, you know, I taught skiing, mm -hmm. so I knew that. So I covered some Winter Olympics. Um, I, for whatever reason, I just I could figure out the America's Cup. It was, it was that was fun. I got to live in Australia for a while. Um, so I just, I used, the Inquirer was awesome. I got to travel the whole world on their credit card. Right. It's pretty hard to fathom the idea of Al Morgani being somewhat responsible for the success of Angelo Cataldi and in some regards, the success of WIP. But it's true. Al was the first one to think of Angelo Cataldi, the radio host, and Al put the idea in Ed Snyder's head. Well, WIP was... Just beginning like their full-time right. sports. Um, Ed Snyder Early owned the Flyers. Yeah, um, I talked to. I knew, I knew they were looking for people, and I'd been on Eskin's show a few times, and it was kind of fun to do. And I was always on about hockey, and um, they were looking for people. And Angelo would would just scream about things in the in the newspaper office all the time. So I just innately knew. I said, this guy's perfect for this he's got an opinion about everything it's just he's, and he goes off the rails about anything we yell at editors he didn't care he just yell and his opinion is usually pretty good opinion and it's like it was entertaining even just watching him lose it lose it you know when he went squirrel it was funny to watch and he would just lose his mind right. screaming about things so it was like this ought to work on the radio because i mean if eskin works lord knows he can do this so i mean i went to uh, ed snyder and, and uh, said, you know, he'd be really good for this. And, and Tom Brookshire um, was willing to take a chance. And uh, they, and I, and I, but I told, I mean, I told Ed, and like, you know, you're going to have to let him go. You know, there were going to be issues, and there sure were issues. You were just doing a service to, uh, you weren't like looking for a job. No, I figured like, I'd do it part-time and he could make a career, because he'd be right. really good at it. I knew he was, gonna, I mean, there's no, he was a slam dunk. He was going to be really good at it. Right. 
And uh, so I did figured, you like set up a meeting with Ed? I just I just, met, I, just I see yeah. him all the time. Okay. And you know he was you know starting this thing. I'm like, well, you know, and he would ask me, and yeah. I said, oh, he's you know I think it could work. And we went to these morning sports page things or whatever. I don't know. I kind of that gets all murky to me that morning sports page thing we did. But I was working at the I had left the Inquirer. I was working at the National. So there was a kind of a failed experiment in national sports coverage, and I was their hockey guy. And I went from there um, to ESPN, and I covered uh, hockey for ESPN. That was a blast. That was just a blast. I mean, I got to cover. We had 10, 10 11-year run, and I worked with everybody. I mean, I still see Bill Clement. I worked with, my first time was in the studio was with Bill Clement. They hired me. I didn't even know. Um, you know they, they called. They got the ESPN contract, and my friend Vince Doria, who was the best man at my wedding, was a big deal at ESPN. And he called up and says, we're getting the NHL contract. We'd be interested in having you come up and uh, do some things covering the National, Ho- in National Hockey League and National Hockey Night. And I thought it was as a inf- information, like a background guy, like a t- fact checker type of a thing. And I got up there and, and, and it was like for on air. I'm like, I've never been on air in my life. How the hell am I supposed to go? I don't know how to do television. This is nuts. And they just, my first time ever on TV, it was on national TV. With, Live. With, yeah. yeah. With the, you know, my hair was, I mean, I had this <laughs> wicked, wicked mullet. I mean, we're talking wicked long hair, right? And, and it would curl at the end and they would have, well, you got to put, the, either put it in a ponytail or, you know, fix it. I'm like, and then they had these makeup women there and, and I didn't want anybody putting makeup. You know, the right. first time you're freaked out. You, so I'll, I'll do 30s? this myself. I was it was a mess. In your thirties at this point? Was tr- yeah, just about thirty, I guess. Were you yeah. married yet? Uh, at ESPN, I was married. Yes, and, yeah. And did you move to Bristol, or you were? No, you I were would go back and forth to Bristol, right. and then I would. Doing WIP. I would still do this, and it was wild because I would go on the road. I would drive back all the time from ESPN. I'd, I'd leave like at twelve, get here just in time to do the morning show, and just be beat and then we go on the road so i would do four hours of radio on a hotel phone <laughs> after being up all night i'm like this is but you do what you, you have to just do sit on the phone and do the show for four hours Jeez. sit on the phone on the, uh, this is before the days of cell phones right this is a hotel phone that i'd be on for four hours hoping that the room service didn't come during the show when they were knocking on the door with with cereal Wow. So it was like, yeah, it was a really, I remember doing a lot of those. And then the West Coast, I could take a red eye back. This is before all the, you know, stuff with the security. I could take a red eye back. I remember it landed at like 5.08 here in Philadelphia. And then I could rush down to the studio on 4th Street. Wow. Was there a time when, you know, when you started to think that this WIP radio thing was, was like a legit thing? Um, It was, no, well, I knew it was legit. I mean, it was legit. Because it was, you know, Angelo was going to make it a, make it right. really you believe, good. You believed in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was going to be really good. I mean, there was no, I had no question that he was going to be really good. Because it was entertaining. Right. I mean, he, the, the, the thing with the radio was very few people got this concept. There was a lot of kickback originally from people in the media. Like, how can you do that? It's not serious radio. Stan Hockman got it originally. And they would say, you can't do that. And I'm like, you don't understand. This is entertainment it's entertainment in sports we were the first one of the first to really get that concept we just in the morning drive you could split it 
this is entertaining. There was some information, but mostly it was like, it's much harder to be entertaining than it is to spew out numbers. Right. It's just, you know, and a lot of people can do numbers, but in order to be funny and, and organized like that, it's, it's very difficult. Only a few people can do it, and Angelo could do it. So, I mean, there was a lot of kickback from, uh, I would call it mainstream media originally. What are you guys doing? That show's stupid. It's ridiculous. I'm like, well, I, I think it's the future, <laughs> and it was the future. I mean, that's what everybody's going. Unfortunately, it's gone overboard now. Um, you know, facts don't seem to matter anywhere. I mean, it's fine to have a defined program in the morning that's fun, uh, you know, entertainment. But now now it's gone completely the other way where it's 24-7. You don't know what the hell's serious and what's not, and people are just having hot takes that, you know, make no sense at all to try to screaming at each other. You know, we had it, and we knew that the, we knew— in order to break the rules, you have to know the rules. And because we'd worked in journalism, we knew the rules. So we knew how far we could go and what was, uh, what was allowed. We didn't really need that much guidance other than the mechanics of radio. We, we knew what, what, what you could get away with, what was uh, in good taste or whatever. Um, now it's just it's all sloppy everywhere. Um, because there's no, there's just bleeds in everything. Everything's right. entertainment, and right. and it's it's unfortunately, I mean, no more newspapers. It's it's kind of a crime what's happened. Maybe the most fascinating part of Al Morgani is his persona, being that he has basically two personalities. He has the radio Al and the TV Al. Radio Al is laid back, relaxed, doesn't say much chimes in when he has to, is quirky, makes jokes, kind of like a sidekick Al. TV Al is a straight shooter, is a very knowledgeable, well-thought hockey analyst. And it's crazy because Al will go from Radio Al to TV Al, back to Radio Al in the span of 24 hours, multiple times a week. I think because we were here in Philly and people knew us, there are a lot of have no idea you know, it doesn't one. They'll see, and you're only the hockey person, right. or you're only the radio. Or they don't. Some people don't know both. Um, but I think they see what you do one one side and the other. It's two different worlds, completely different worlds. And I think the value of doing hockey is not like you're doing football, where everybody and hockey's got its defined audience. Which, although I got to say, is bigger than people think in Philadelphia. Um, the, the the hockey fan um, doesn't. Sometimes they don't not as vocal as others because un unless you know the game, they don't want to deal with you. Right. <laughs> it's like it's like you know it's inconsequential. Um, and then if they want to, then if they know you know the game, but then they want to speak at a whole different level, which uh, doesn't work on morning drive at times. So you spent you grew up in Boston, spent most of your adult life in Philly. Um, actually, not yeah. I kind of, but I mean, I didn't really move to Philly full time until way uh, after I was married. You were just traveling. Basically. I was tra I covered the team. If I had three days in a row off, I was home. Okay. Um, watched go college hockey, see relatives that played up there. Um, I lived there in the summer all the time, uh, and then after I would say 1990 or so, I then I was kind of a full time Philadelphian. Did you, like, compare and contrast the two cities? Do you like Philly? Um, um, obviously, you still have your roots in Boston, and you're always Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going back there all the time. Um, it's different. It, 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 they're both passionate fan bases, Philly, New York, Chicago, Boston. Right. They're all kind of like that. Um, I like 
the Philadelphia uh, Flyer fan, particularly for their allegiance to the to the team and everything. They, I mean, it's a really strong hockey market. But what I what I like most about Philadelphia is you can't find many places in the country where you can have any sport and have a huge participation level. Yeah, uh, whether it's a regatta or a wrestling, NCAA wrestling, NCAA hockey draws here. I don't care what it is. This is such a huge sports area where you're going to be, and people will make fun of soccer, but they'll bang out a place for soccer. It's a tremendous, uh, tremendous area for all sports. Um, if, uh, there's nothing that, that really you can't succeed at here, bring it here. And I really, I really like that. I think that's bit more, more than Boston. Um, Boston, it's, people think Philadelphia is like localized, Boston really local. I mean, if you're outside, no, and they don't. It doesn't exist. Right. It just doesn't exist. Philadelphia is much more in tune with everything around it than Boston. You've covered everything: Olympics, World Cup, yeah, yeah. Wimbledon. What's the best sporting event in the world? If you had to say, the best sporting event in the world to me is Wimbledon. Nah, uh, I love Wimbledon. That the tension at that place on a, on a on a big match. That was just. Uh, it was just unbelievable. Um, I love base, you know, anything that's got playoffs is tremendous. But I really loved Wimbledon, and believe it or not, when when um, uh, Australia won the America's Cup was insane. It was it was a great story for that little period of time. It was characters involved were crazy. Um, but if if you said you had to take, you could only go see one event a year. It would be the Wimbledon. If I could pick. A particular. I mean, if I ever could go back, I would say I want to be at Borg and McEnroe, or I'd, you know, I'd want to see Serena or somebody. I, I, I just love that event. That event was just my favorite of all time. So you've covered the Flyers now for you know over two decades. Like, do you, if you look back, was there a year, a season, or, or a moment that you liked the most? Well, unfortunately, the the most intense was the whole Lindros saga that went on. That was just. It, it was. It's kind of. It, it, it's kind of sad because, in the end, Lindros was right with all we learned about concussions. But you, it's hard to go back in time and and not have live through watching players play through everything. And Lindros was right. Unfortunately, his dad was a little heavy-handed with it, and you know, with the the way they approached it. I mean, I get calls like literally four times a day I'd get my at that time there were even fax machines with these 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 facts about concussions from Carl Lindros I mean just page after page and he was they were right but at the time it was like you know I this isn't playing well here in Philadelphia it's not going over really well here and I look back and I feel like you know he he really got the uh, he really got screwed a little bit because everybody just thought and I Look, the little amount I played at the lowest levels I played, we played through everything. I mean, you have a nail coming out of your eye, you, you play. Right. And so it was hard to comprehend that. But you look back, guys like he and Keith Primo, they were really right on the cutting edge of this. Um, you look back at like a, a great career, obviously, and you're still doing it. I mean, plenty, plenty more years to go. I don't know. I mean, God knows. When we, I can't believe we're still doing it. I thought I might be covering hockey. I didn't think I'd be doing this. Um, was there... Is there like a turning point that you look at for you or you just kind of like everything worked out or was it getting into BU maybe? Well, getting into BU helped because um, they had the media stuff like that mm -hmm. and kind of 
realizing there comes a point you realize you know you're not going to go play at some really low level and you know where where you're going you got a much better chance at being in the media and staying with the game and um uh, i i guess i i guess it was the it was the friends that i made in the within the industry um i mentioned Vince Doria at ESPN uh Ed Snyder because of the association with the station um like i mentioned before it's like everything's been through people that I've known through the game. And I'm talking ancillary to the game, um, not players, uh, broadcasters that I got to know, um, people that trusted you. It was a kind of a closed fraternity in hockey. Like they would say, can you trust him? Is he a hockey guy? Uh, whether it was a reporter, you know how many times people would come to me and say, look, this guy called me from such and such, such, and such a paper. Can I trust him? Is he a hockey guy? And I'd, and I'd be honest with him and say, yeah, I know him. You can trust him. He's, you, you know, he'll he'll be fine. Or I'd have to say, I don't really know. You, you know, he, I don't know that he gets it. You got to get it a little bit, and uh, maybe you know, because it was always stuff about fights and this and that, and people trying to. When you covered that game, people would try to malign the sport. It's why I have no problem with people used to make fun of soccer, and I'd be like, why would you make fun of it? Because you don't like it. Why? Why? What's the point? If you like baseball and you like football, it's fine. But what's the point of, of degrading another sport? And I got that because I covered a sport that a lot of people just didn't like. And they'd be like, we want less of it. They get mad that you cover it. I'm like, well, why? I have no problem with your sport. Why, why, why would you have a problem with this? And people, people would be like, it's not, a, it's not an, at that point an American sport. Right. I mean, I came up at a time where it was like one, one guy I knew was American played in the league Robbie Fatorik, who I grew up with. That was it. That was like it. And I didn't get it. And that's why all my turning points were, were people that I met as far back as high school and uh, that, that were involved in, 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 the, in the game, whether they manufactured hockey sticks or ran rinks or, or, or ran webs. Um, at that point, I don't know what a blog would be, but wrote columns or mm-hmm. uh, wrote for the hockey news. It was all through that. Like I owe... My entire career, I owe to people that I've known in that sport from when I was in the eighth grade. One daughter? Yeah, yeah she didn't play. I, I tried to get her to play hockey. Yeah. She played field hockey. Oh, it was yeah. pretty good. I went to Westchester. It was a Division One program at the time. She, she was, was a Philly. yeah. She was a very good swimmer, but they burn out. Although I will say, when I coached hockey, if I knew the kids swam, I always put them on the team if it was iffy. Because I know their work ethic was right. really good. Tennis? Did she play? Or no? uh, she's nah. Yeah. She, never, she just wanted. To, she liked that field hockey. That that field hockey was a weird game. I remember I tried to help, and I was told to <laughs> stop because the rules are different. <laughs> so, right. but it was uh, it was cool. And I like coaching. I coached some kids over in Jersey for a while, high school, and that was fun. Maybe when I retire, I'll go. I'll say go back home and coach. But right. maybe I'll coach. And the programs are so big here, I could coach here. Do you have any regrets looking back at your career or anything you would change? Or? Um, you wonder if you didn't try to do too many things, like if you just concentrated on one. But, you know, what? It, like, the, I mean, I'm 60-something years old. I'm sleeping in the car on Market Street because I'm getting out of one game at 11 and 4.30. Right. And you wonder if you always think you're okay but your energy, because I, I noticed when I used to play tennis a lot, 
people that I could beat on the weekends I had no shot at during the week because I was just you just off a little bit because I mean you got you know I basically got by on during the season on four three and a half to four hours sleep a night and you wonder was that should I have done that or should I have but on the other hand then I'd be missing so much I mean I wouldn't have done the morning show or I wouldn't have done uh, the hockey and, and I, I love doing that so it may be time to just one or the other and you know you got to hand it over to younger people right Al Morgani WIP thanks again for listening to Wired This Way please rate and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and thanks again to Eric the Turtle Golden who helped produce the show Spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.